0: This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you're at, in the U.S. and around the world. This is Baseball Outside the Box. I'm your host, Pete Caliendo, and thanks for joining us, all of you. Um, I know it's 10 days in, but again, we'll we'll just tell you Happy New Year, all all of January. Maybe all year we might do that, because we want everybody to have a great year, a great 2022. And before we start the show, we just got back from the... American Baseball Coach Association Convention here in Chicago. Yes, our home city, my home city. What a great convention. We had over 4,000 coaches. And obviously because of COVID and, and uh, flight restrictions and other things with weather. Um, but I know they had probably another three or 4,000 you know, watching online. It was a fantastic convention. We had a great time. For all our international coaches, listen to us, please. This is the greatest investment you will make. Go to abca.org join the organization. It is the greatest coaches organization in the world. You won't believe the things you will get. I mean, you'll get videos of all the conventions, all of them in the past history. There's so much knowledge there. It's not that expensive. We encourage all of you. Federations, if you're listening, Tell your coaches to join abca.org. We'll be getting your information even more. Um, It is a great, great investment. And Thank you everybody in the U S and around the world for helping the show out, get out. We're all over a hundred countries. So a special thanks to everybody listening. We're on Facebook live YouTube and also Twitter. And don't forget baseball outside the box. And lastly, special thanks to ESPN Honolulu for all your help. And uh, we're going to talk today. Today's a great show. Ran into a friend, uh, He's got what a great background. We ran into the uh, ABCA convention, Brent Herring. He is the assistant coach at BYU, Brigham Young University, also the recruiting coordinator. And in 2019, BYU's recruiting class ranked 16th in the nation, Division One. I. I mean, an outstanding coaching program. He's also the head coach, get this, of the America Samoan national team. Yes, folks, if you're not familiar, America Samoa has a national team. They've got some great players. Great. It sounds like some great, great um, athletes, and obviously, you know, they've been doing a good job. They're going to be competing in the 18U WBSC World Championships uh, next year in Florida. Um, And get this, uh, in 2019, they defeated Australia, ranked seventh in the world. Um, So we're going to be talking to Brent about this. Let's not waste any time. He's a busy person. He's got a lot of recruiting to do, Um, and we'll get into a lot more details of you know about Brett, about America's small baseball from BYU. So let me welcome right now, Brett Heron. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm doing great, Peter. I can't tell you how grateful I am and how humbled I am to be here with you. And uh, I really appreciate you having me. Well, I gotta tell you, I can't believe I haven't had you earlier, man. Um, with your background, I mean, not only with BYU and in America Samoa, but you know, as we're talking offline, all of a sudden we're talking about our good friend. I know, you know, you've known him a lot, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, I don't know about a lot longer, but maybe equal Ray Birmingham, um, Dick Birmingham, you know, you talked about starting show me baseball school. You know, I went to Mickey Own baseball school, you know what, you know, Hey, let's talk about that real quick.
1: Yeah. Well, shoot. Um, I've known Dick and Ray for a long time. Uh, I consider Ray to be, um, one of my greatest mentors in the game of baseball. And, uh, and I, I just, I love him. Uh, we, we still talk regularly. Um, he, he's like the perfect old school baseball guy. Um, you know, and a guy that you could sit and talk to Ray and just listen to him pop out stories and, and, uh, for, for hours and hours and hours. And his uncle Dick was the exact same way. I mean, uh, no matter where Dick went, he took over. I mean, I remember going out to, to eat with him and, <laughs> and he'd have waitresses eating out of his hands and, and he, he was the best. And so, yeah, I'm where I'm at today because of guys like that. And uh, I, you know, there's, there's not a greater mentor. I have a picture hanging in my office. Uh, We were fortunate. We played in in the COVID year. So I guess that was 2020. Uh, We played New Mexico um, at New Mexico and, and our head coach uh, coach Littlewood was, was kind enough to give me the opportunity to go out to the plate before one of the games with, with Ray. And um, somebody got a picture of it, a picture of us at the plate with the umpires and, that's one of my, my fondest memories and uh, something I'll cherish forever. I have that picture hanging in my office.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And folks, if you're following on Facebook, because that's where we're following. I'm looking down at Facebook. I appreciate you joining. Um, you know, Twitter and YouTube, we don't have the ability to check you out on those two uh, social media networks, but we are live there. Um, you know and, it, and it's interesting because you know same as you if i you know, if it was with dick birmingham there's no way i would be even close to doing what i'm doing um you know and, and and as you said i remember sitting with dick many times different places and and we're talking about big names you know whitey Herzog other other big league you know guys and you know you think those guys would be doing the talk well dick commanded, uh, you know, the show. I mean, they wanted to listen to him. And I remember him, you know, listening to him at the ABCA, you know, Ray Birmingham, uh, you know, I, I was at uh, Mickey Own Baseball School with him, um, had him on a podcast recently. If you guys want to check that podcast out, go to baseballoutsidethebox.com. Ray Birmingham, outstanding coach. You know, Brent, you know, since you talked about them, um, talk about the importance of, you know, you know, both of us, you know, both of us being where we're at, if we didn't have mentors, um, how does somebody... Does somebody go after mentors or something like with Coach Birmingham, he, he kind of started with me at 15, you know, I don't know why, uh, but he just started helping me um, right away. And it just snowballed from there. Uh, some advice for our coaches out there or young people getting in the game. Yeah. I, w- I would say uh, kind of
1: going off what you, you talked about to start the show, go to the ABCA convention and, and, you know, get outside of your comfort zone and go and introduce yourself to coaches and, and get to know people, you know, like Ray and I, uh, he had just, he'd just taken the job at New Mexico uh, from New Mexico junior college where, where obviously that was a powerhouse. He won a national championship. And, and we went and worked a camp together at show me baseball camp and, you know, I just wanted to pick his brain. I, I wished I could have got everything out of his brain in that week. And uh, he was so gracious, and the relationship just built. Um, you know, and I've been fortunate, I think, to have great mentors, and and I've worked for great coaches, and I've had great people mentor me. And and now, I guess, as we get older, we're looking for opportunities to do that to some of the younger guys i and uh you know like i said I, I, I want to follow in the footsteps of those guys um they're they're the guys that have made this game great and and i hope to help help push the game along to the younger generation uh the same
0: way they did have done for me hey folks uh again facebook if you got any questions what a great time to ask you know Brett Harry, I mean talking about coaching, you know, one of the assistant coaches, BYU, one of the top programs, not not to mention recruiting coordinator. So he's got an idea of what type of players you know he's looking for. Um, and also, you know, when coaches call what 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 he's going to be asking about certain players. And that also helps players. You know, Brett, the other area I was thinking about um, you know with both baseball schools, Mickey own baseball school and show me I want I wanted to mention this again because You know, we don't have schools like that anymore. I know the games change and the travel teams and the the good things happen in the game. I get it, but man, what great times. We're talking about, I know this. I played a hundred games in the summer at and Baseball School. I practiced probably twice as much, maybe three times sometimes. Um, I umpired a hundred games. And as a counselor, I also maintained fields. I had my own baseball field. Um, You know, I spent 10 years there and then later on developed in the coaching and all that. we don't have those anymore, but we do need to get back to some basics. I think sometimes, you know, when it comes to the fundamentals and baseball schools like that really helped us
1: a hundred percent. I mean, I think the the thing that sticks out to me was just how much we practiced with those kids. Mm -hmm. when I was coaching there in the summer, we would do, (coughs) excuse me, we do eight weeks and uh, man, you know, those kids get six days of, of practice and they get six games under their belt. And um, I think today, you know, we're so busy in the travel ball thing, and they play a ton of games, and, and all that's just, just fine and good. Um, you know, they're playing three or four games a day. And, and in my opinion, I think they'd be better suited to play one game a day in the evening and spend four or five hours out on the field working on those, those fundamentals, uh, working on – on how to pick up a ground ball and 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 learning the game, you know, learning the details of um, of turning a double play and and learning the details of running a rundown and those are the things that are starting to like slowly fade in our game and 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 I think uh, that experience for me was unbelievable in, in my coaching career. For me to spend a full week with, say, a group of 8- to 10-year-old kids teaching those basics, man, I got so much better as a coach. And it's funny, um, here at BYU, we're teaching those kids the same exact principles that I taught those 8-year-old kids. Now, maybe at a little higher level, but it's the same principle, and I think those kids could really benefit from that for the practice element.
0: Man, I am thrilled that you brought that up because I can't imagine the number of times that I have told coaches, listen, or young coaches, uh, but even you know coaches that are experienced that maybe didn't work with young kids. I said, you know, I always used to say, because that's that's where I spent my life, starting at six at seventeen as an instructor at Mickey Own Baseball School, working with young kids. When you can work with those kids, go work with them because if you go work with them, the older kids, man, to me, they're just that much easier, um, you know, because you've got to really break it down and keep it simple for those young kids where when the older guys, you, you know, it's some adjustments here and there. A hundred percent,
1: man. I, I mean, if you, can, if you can get a kid, an eight-year-old kid that wants to sit and draw in the dirt, if you can get him engaged and, and excited <laughs> to, to fill the ground ball and fill it the right way, then when you get your college kid or your pro guy that that really wants to do it, um, you can get those guys engaged and, and they'll get better. So I would say one of the best things that ever happened for me in my coaching career was 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 show me baseball. It got me started and uh, learning how to teach the game to a, to a young kid. Like I said, was the, the greatest benefit to my coaching career.
0: If we got some young kids, young players listening, I know you don't want to hear this from your parents, but, you know, when I was at Mickey on baseball school, I remember getting up early in the morning, having breakfast, fixing a the field, then going to practice, then going to lunch, then coming back and fixing the field, then having practice, Then going back, having dinner, you know, fixing the field again, three times, then playing a game and then umpiring the next game. Um, And I didn't get done till 1030, 11 o'clock at night. And I'm not bringing that up, folks, because I'm trying to brag. I'm just trying to tell you that that helped me understanding all those things, doing all those things. And I wasn't very disciplined. um, So I needed that, too. Um, you know, and, and I do want to mention to everybody, uh, especially our international coaches, and but also the coaches in the U.S., young coaches, abc.org, go to it. And I'll tell you why, I forgot about this, but they also have a mentorship program um, during the convention um, where coaches go and, and, and listen to some other coaches, but also get a chance to talk individually to coaches that, you know, you might be looking for a mentor, because I'll tell you why I mentioned that. You earlier, you said go to the convention and it gives you an opportunity to meet people while I wasn't very good at approaching anybody. Um, I, I, you know, I was kind of shy and I wasn't good at it. So that kind of program helps
1: a hundred percent. I, I, you know, the same way as you, I mean, I, I would just force myself to go up and introduce myself to people, you know, and, you know, as a young coach um, a funny story, I, I remember my very first convention was in San Diego. I want to say in 2002 or 2003 or something like that. Um, I was in graduate school. I was coaching at Harding university and uh, we hadn't, you know, we had nothing. My wife was going to school full time and I was going to school full time and coaching and just getting a little stipend to, to uh, take care of the field. And, and uh, we, we literally, uh, we, we took all the money that we had and got, got me into the convention and got me a flight to San Diego and I hooked up with a coaching buddy and, and slept on the floor of his hotel room. Wow. And, and just, I decided like, Hey, if, if we're going to make this investment, if it's that important to me and to my, to my sweetheart, man, I'm going to, I'm going to really take advantage of every minute. And, and uh, so I, I did, I went out and, and I was shaking hands of the Skip Burtmans and, the, you know, the Coach Pollins and, and, and all those people. And just I wanted to meet them and I wanted to, to get a start and I wanted to pick their brains. And every one of them was so very gracious, uh, Coach Corbin and, and all those guys uh, that would probably not even remember ever even having a conversation with me. And, man, they were so impactful to me.
0: You know, it's interesting also um, you mentioned that because you're right. They're very approachable. If you're in an elevator with any coach, really, if you're in an elevator. I know at first you don't want to say hi, but if you just say hi and where you're from, boom, that starts that conversation. You never know where that leads. Now, speaking about that, um, you know, you didn't start at BYU. You you know, how, how did you get started in your first coaching gig and how did it snowball? Were you always looking for a new gig or, you, or, did, or did you just focus on what you needed to do you know, at that time, and it just, things just happened?
1: Yeah, so I, I was playing, I was a player at Southern Virginia University at the time, was a, a little NAIA school, They're, they've now transitioned to NCAA Division three, but, but back then we were NAIA. Um, I was looking for something to do in the summer, I knew I wanted to get into coaching, and so I called every overnight camp in, in the country and said, hey, I want to come work this summer. Uh, Christopher Schroeder at Show Me Baseball Camp gave me that opportunity. And and so I'll always be indebted to Christopher. I uh, went out uh, that first summer. I, I want to say that was my junior year. And uh, I was I worked worked the camp and got to meet a lot of coaches, you know, college coaches and high school coaches and, and people that were working the camp and, and obviously the kids, uh, pro guys. I mean, we had – Ozzie Smith come in that summer. And, and so, you know, what a, what a great experience for me. Uh, I did it again the following summer. So I just finished my eligibility and I went back to work. I had the intention of, of going back to Southern Virginia. I, I hadn't finished my degree. I was going to go back and be a student assistant and finish up my degree. And while I was there, I was working with uh, Coach uh, Patrick McGeehe who at the time had just taken the job at college of the Ozarks there in Branson, Missouri. And, uh, we, we hit it off. I mean, we, we had a great connection and a good friendship and, you know, I worked hard and I think he recognized that. And he asked me if I would come on and, and jump on and and be an assistant and give me an opportunity to recruit, you know, my first year out. And, uh, I took that opportunity and, uh, to this day, Coach McGeehey is is one of my very best friends in the whole wide world. I love him. I, I owe him my career because he gave me an opportunity, and uh, you know, let let a young kid, you know, go out and learn on the fly, and supported me. And I, I love him. I, I owe, like I said, I owe my whole career to him, and 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 that led, you know from one job to the next job to the next job. And, and ultimately I got to go back and be with him at Harding and he, uh, he paid for me to get a master's degree. And wow. um, so, so I absolutely love that man.
0: Yeah. You know, and if we didn't have people like that in our lives, you know, again, like we said earlier, it'd be hard to, to do certain things in the game of baseball. It's very competitive. Um, you know, Now BYU. Uh, talk to about BYU because uh, you know we got a lot of folks on on uh, that listen that watch that are all over the world. Um, and like you talk about the school and a little bit about because I want to get into the recruiting process. What kind of BYU is looking for?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess just to, to finish up. So I, when I finished my master's degree at Harding University, I I was looking for a job. I didn't have a job, um, and so I went that summer up to the Northwoods league as a coach and I was coaching in the Northwoods league. Um, you know, the whole summer, I still didn't have a job. I was applying for every job and I went home. I'm, I originally was grew up in St. George, Utah. And I went home from my little sister's wedding. And while I was home, I, I went actually to a, an independent minor league baseball game, uh, design pioneers, or I guess the road runners at that point, and uh, ran into an old friend, Trent Pratt, who I coach with now at BYU. And, uh, and we got talking. He asked what I was doing. I was t- told him I'm looking for a job. And he, at the time was coaching at Dixie College, which at the time was NCAA Division II. They just transitioned into Division II from, from being a junior college. And he said, hey, you know, you should call Coach Littlewood, who was the head coach. You know, we, we need another guy. And I had played against coach Littlewood in junior college. So, so there was a little familiarity. I'd coached his son in uh, in American Legion baseball. Mm. So there was some familiar familiarity. I called him, he, uh, he offered me a job to come coach at Dixie college and it it became Dixie state university. And, uh, we were, we were there together for four years. Um, our last year he got the job at BYU and offered us to come with him up to BYU. And so we're going on our 10th year together as a staff at BYU and and 14 years together as a staff, uh, between Dixie and, and, uh, and BYU. And so we're, you know, what a, what a special thing that is. I mean, that's pretty rare in today's today's game to have that kind of cohesiveness. And, and, uh, So I really, um, I I can't, I can't thank coach and Trent. I mean, those guys, I've been around them so long. They're, they're like, they're like part of our family and we're part of their family. We've seen our kids grow up and be born and, and all of that together. Uh, BYU is a, it's a great place. It's a special place. It's the the school is owned, uh, by the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, which, which is kind of a cool thing because it gives us a little bit of an international feel. There's, you know, the church is worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so we have a following worldwide. Um, we're really fortunate in the fact that we have BYU TV that, that streams uh, pretty much all of our games. And so, uh, man, we have, we have people worldwide watching our games. It seems like no matter where we go, in an airport, somebody'll stop us and say, Hey, I watched your game on TV. You guys are doing great, right? You guys, you guys gotta pitch better or hit better or whatever, you know. So but but that's been great. The school, the school itself is is unbelievable. It's one of the highest academic schools in the country. Um, you know we we say hey it's a it's an Ivy League type education, mm-hmm. but with an opportunity to play baseball or play sports at a really high level. Um, the the academic standards are great. You know, there's several schools that are in the top 10 in the the country in what they study. Um, and then the most unique thing is that every student that comes to BYU signs an honor code, basically saying that they'll live a Christian lifestyle, um, that they'll, they'll, uh, take care of their bodies. They'll take care of their spirits and, and, uh, to live their life in a Christian lifestyle, so it's really unique in the fact that um, you get a great education, you have a great opportunity to play sports at a really high level, and then and then they're going to hold you to a really high standard um, in your personal and spiritual lives. And so it's it's a it's a really really unique place and a great place.
0: So how does that recruiting process look? Because there's obviously the high standards, you know, the Christianity, the the, the um academic part, uh, and then you know, how far does the recruiting go in the U.S. around the world? Um, you got to do a lot of homework because you got to filter through a lot of players uh, to get those standards. Yeah, I mean, we get shoot,
1: we get emails from people worldwide. I mean, we get tons of emails every day. I, I'm sure, like every Division One program, you know, when I when I'm talking to a recruit, the first thing that we'll talk about. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is is their grades? Obviously, they have to be able to get into school academically. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, we'll go over the the honor code in detail. And my very first question is is like, hey, is this something that you're interested in? Is this something that you're okay with uh, the honor code? And <clears throat> we've had some kids that have said, hey, coach, that's that's not what I'm looking for in a college experience, and that's okay. Um, I'm always just telling, thank you uh, for being upfront and honest. Because, frankly, if a kid comes here and they're not looking for that, they don't want to live that way. They're not going to be happy here. If they're not happy here, they're not going to be the best player that they can be. So, so that's the first thing we do to vet them out. And then we go into the program and and the baseball side of that. You know, that tends to be like the third thing that we really get into when we start conversations with recruiting kids.
0: You know, this is kind of beating the dead horse in a lot of ways, but I still want to address it because um, we may have some parents online. I know most high school college coaches understand this part, um, but also international, possibly the, uh, you know, the scholarships, everybody, you know, I'm going to get a scholarship, you know, and uh, you know, someone's going to pay my way to school. Talk about the scholarships and also other avenues of just a baseball scholarship.
1: Yeah, we, we have all our guys fill out a FAFSA, you know, that are, that are born in the U.S. We have them fill out a FAFSA um, because they're going to need all the financial help they can get. You know, there's 11.7 scholarships basically to divide amongst 27 guys. And so, you know, I think people think, hey, I'm going to get a full ride scholarship. And those things just, they really don't exist. So we divide them up. Um, obviously, the better your grades are, you know, we can stack. You know, it's harder at BYU, but a lot of places you can stack academic money. It's harder to get academic money at BYU just because the, you know, the, the general student that comes in comes in with a, you know, twenty eight on the ACT and and a three nine GPA. So, wow. To get academic money, you have to be above that. So, um, but but yeah, the better academically you are. Um, you know, we encourage we have a we have a lady here, Colette Shaw, that's amazing at, at helping our student athletes find avenues to get scholarships. There's scholarships out there. Um, you know, if you're international, there's international scholarships that are that are set up just for you. Um, so she helps those those guys find scholarships that will apply to them, that will help them and uh and then we try to stack that all together and, and give them the best that they can but the, the reality is um, we have between 8 to 10 guys every year on our team that that walk on and pay their own way and uh and that's just that's just the reality of college baseball right now
0: i know with those standards i would have needed a miracle to get into that school i would i'd be working 10 years on that one but that's just me you know, there's a lot of great kids out there, you know, and speaking about when you're looking at kids, um, you know, I know, you know, I've had other coaches on the show uh, talk about, you know, what they look for in certain players. Um, you know, is there anything different that, you know, that kind of attracts you to players, whether it be physically, mentally, what they're in a game, you know, when you're looking at them? Is there something that, you know, even a message to players out there, um, you know, what, what you're kind of looking for in someone? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, I think, you know, obviously we want great athletes. Um, you know, when, when you're recruiting at this level, you have to recruit a kid that has a skill set that can play at this level, you know. Uh so so you have to look at those things. Um, I think one of the things that gets lost, Peter, and this is gonna sound goofy to you, but when we recruit, one of the things that we really bear down on is, is how are they as baseball players? You know, sometimes we get so caught up in, like, he can run a 6-5-60 right. and he throws 90 from the outfield and, you know, yeah. he's got all this. And, and then the, the question is, okay, well, he can do all that, but can he play? <laughs> um, so, Absolutely. So, so we we want to find baseball players. Um, yeah. You know, I think of Coach, Coach Birmingham's team at New Mexico. and he would fill his roster with, with baseball kids. You know, and they might physically not run as good or whatever, but they beat the crap out of you because they know how to play the game and they know and they play when it matters. So I think that's our first thing. Obviously, the physical tools have to, to match up, you know, uh, but we want baseball players. Uh, we, we were really fortunate just, uh, just the other day. Bryce Harper came, uh, came and spoke to our team. Uh, wow. Bryce Harper and Bryson stopped. Bryson was a first-round pick with the with the Phillies out of UNLV, mm-hmm. and I loved what Bryce, you know, he talked about to our to our guys about, hey, being a good teammate. And, and if I had a dollar for every time he said, just love one another, love each other. Wow, I thought that was really insightful. And uh, he talked about how hard that was for him as a young player in the big leagues. He was in the big leagues at nineteen years old, so. You know, a lot of the kids in our, in our meeting were 19 years. Our freshmen were 19, year old, 19 years old, and he was in the big leagues. And he said, man, I wish I could have learned that lesson earlier in my career to just really love each other, be the best teammate, support each other. Whether you're fighting for the same job, if, if you go 0 for 4 and he goes 4 for 4, just be genuinely happy for him. And uh, so those are some of the, the things that we look at, like how, how are they as teammates? How, how are they with their coaches? Um, I, I like to think that when we're re- recruiting a kid that we do a lot of homework and we try to find out as much as we can about a kid. But, man, I think when I'm watching games, I'm really spending probably 65 to 70 percent of my time watching what they're doing when they're not between the lines when they're in the dugout, when they're on the deck circle and um, how they act with their teammates and their coaches and um, watching them, believe it or not, how they, how they interact with their parents before and after games. Those, those are the things uh, that are going to separate players from being, you know, good players to great players. And, and uh, so, so we put a high, high premium on those things and it was really validating to hear that from the NL MVP. Um, you know, maybe arguably the best player in the world.
0: Absolutely, man. And he had to grow up early. I remember seeing him in the Pan Am games at 15. Incredible young man and talk about growing up fast. He had to do it quick. And yeah, he's a great example. What, man, what an exciting thing for him to come speak to the team. Um, you know, the, the other part of all this, um, as as you mentioned, you know, I remember being in a pennant ball and scouts would tell me, you know, well, I've got a player for you. Right. And you know, I'd ask them, okay, tell me about him. You know, yeah, he could throw, he could run. He could. And my simple question to them, because you know we didn't have time to develop players and in independent ball. We need to win right now. We need to get a guy's. You know, put the team together. Was can he play? Um, and and I get that because you know you're seeing more and more uh, kids out there, that and I maybe because sometimes at the younger levels we're kind of programming everything for them we don't allow them to play the game on their own a little bit and I love when coaches just let you play the game a little bit and then learn from your mistakes you know like Michael Jordan said he made thousands of mistakes before he even became a very good player um, I think that's important in, in that development phase uh, you know for a young person and now all of a sudden the college coach sees that and says man that's the guy I want
1: yeah I think a uh, the guy I think of uh... Is uh, we had a kid here. Um, I think he was a sixth round draft pick, maybe two or three years ago, named Jackson Clough. And and I just remember watching him play in high school. And as he came up, he was a good player. Uh, you know, physically he was probably a little undersized at that point. And uh, um, you know, definitely he was a recruited player. I wouldn't say like a super highly recruited player, but a recruited player. Um, But I fell in love with how he went about the game and he just, he kind of had that moxie and that savvy and he just knew what to do. Uh, We talk about it all the time. He was playing short for us. um, And there was like a little blooper over the third baseman's head and he went to get it. And like, just without, just, just instinctively picked up the ball and, and threw it to the plate and threw a guy out where I think, 99% 99% of players probably wouldn't have known to do that and mm. would have probably just ran the ball in or thrown the ball to second base. But He just had that instinct. He's a player um, and he's going to play in the big leagues. I think he'll play in the big leagues this year with the Nationals. He was the, the defensive player of the year in the Arizona Fall League and uh, he's a baseball player and, and he's turned himself into a really toolsy good athlete as well, but uh, at the time when we were recruiting him, like I said, he was an undersized guy that was just a really, really good high IQ baseball player, and and I attribute that going back to what we talked about earlier is practice and going through those things so that when when those situations come up in the games, you can you can just play free and easy and instinctively uh, because you've you've practiced that stuff so much that. Um, that that it just happens within, within the game. And I think our players now today, like you said, they play so much that they don't have an opportunity to do those things. And so when the, when the game's going on, I think there can be a little delay. And, and uh, so, so I think they can benefit from just practicing and learning. And, and then when they play that, then they can turn it off and just be, be really good athletes and instinctive players.
0: Yeah, you see a lot of young players, obviously, as a recruiting coordinator. You go around um, and, and see a lot of games. The two coaches out there, you know, it could be high school coaches, could be travel coaches, you know, a lot of programs that you're looking at. Um, advice maybe on, you know, you mentioned a few things now, but advice on some things that you see that players are lacking that you would love to see that they already have when they get to college. You know, me, and one of them, you know, is the game, the game stuff that you talked about, being game experienced a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think um, you just – when you talk about baseball, like, you know, I think it's it's amazing to me how – you know, I remember when – you know, I didn't play Division I baseball, so I remember coming to BYU thinking, man, what what am I going to teach these kids? They're, they're far better players than I ever was, and uh, they're going to know more than I ever knew. And and the thing you learn is, is they don't. Uh, you know, kids come – here as freshmen, some of them, and they don't know how to run a tandem relay or a double cut. They don't know, you know, they don't know the ins and outs of bunt defense and first and third defense. And and those are things that win games, being able to execute those things. So um, I would say for the younger coaches, don't get so caught. I mean, take it, take it, Even if you're playing a lot, take an hour and a half, a day and run through those run through tandem relays. So they know where they're going when that happens, run through bunt defenses and first and third defenses and, and, and teach them exactly why, why they're doing what they're doing. You know, why, why do we do this? And, uh, we, we went through a little drill yesterday, you know, we're in our short group work. So we only have our guys for about 45 minutes to an hour a day. Um, and, and we talk to our outfielders a lot about, like, hey, conceding the, 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 the first runner and, and keeping the double play in order and keeping the guy at first base and knowing when to do that and why to do that and how to do it. And, uh, you know, these are some of these kids are 22, 23 years old seniors, you know, and they're still learning. Um, but I think as a younger coaching, younger kids, if you could teach them those things at a younger age, man, it's going to free them up to be better players.
0: And I like hearing college and professional coaches, especially professional coaches, saying, hey, look, don't give up – the bunting game, you know, don't le- don't give up how to bunt. Don't go, you know, bump for a hit, slap, whatever. Push bunt, whatever it may be, or other skills in the game. I'm assuming, Brent, you know, when you're talking about college coaches, we you're looking for the complete package in a lot of these players. You're not looking for one-dimensional player because I'm seeing a lot of young coaches stay away from teaching some of those things um, because they don't see it in the big leagues being used as much. Well, but you know, only so many players are going to make the big leagues.
1: Sure. Well, I just think you learn those things. The, the more complete you are, the better you are. You know, um, you know, with analytics, the analytics stuff is is a little mind boggling to me. I mean, it's the stuff the the numbers they have for things, you just like, wow, how do you even think to figure that out? And it's really beneficial. Uh just this year in the in the convention, I was I was so interested in, in uh, Coach Pickler with the Reds. His, his uh, presentation was, was one of my favorites of the convention, and he talked Agreed. a lot about analytics. And, and that stuff, to me, is, is awesome. Those things give you an edge. But, you know, a kid knowing how to bunt, you know, the analytics might tell us, hey, don't bunt, you know, in the first six innings of a game. Well, if I have to get a bunt down in the eighth inning of a game and it's the difference between us winning or losing, <laughs> then I better be able to do it and do it well. Um, so, so those things are, are important. The other thing that they don't talk a lot about is, the, hey, don't bump. but what if you're bunting for a hit? You know, I talked to uh, – we, we had a kid here. His, his dad – well, his grandfather was Vern Law, who was a Cy Young winner, and his dad, Vance, played in the big leagues for a long mm-hmm. time, was the head coach at BYU. Uh, Adam law, who's, who's with the Dodgers. uh, He's doing middle strength stuff with the Dodgers and doing some front office stuff. But when he was in pro ball, when he left our place, I talked to him about, um, Hey, we did the math. Like if you could get one bunt base hit a week over a, over a minor league or major league season, it's a hundred points to your batting average. One bunt base hit a week, one extra hit a week is 100 points over the course of a season. Like, tell me one minor league player that's hitting two twenty that wouldn't go to three, you know, wouldn't like to hit three twenty and have a chance to go from A ball to double A or double A to triple A. And, and so it's a bullet you can put in your gun, and if you're good at it, it helps you. Um, Absolutely. And, and then, you know, you go into, okay, well, you even show, but like, you're going to bump for a hit. And it's going to move the infield and it's going to open things up for you for when you swing. So, um, you know, being able to do all those things are going to make you the most complete player. The best players in the world are the most complete players.
0: Brett, what's your practices look like? Uh, curious, what's demanded of the players at your practice? What do you guys focus on? Because we, you know, we hear this a lot: practice organization and game-like stuff. You know, what, what what's that look like? What's the, what do you demand? Because a lot of times, as coaches, you know, we 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 sometimes let things slip.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm really fortunate. I, you know, our head coach, Coach Littlewood, is he he is so good at practice organization. He's a he's a very detailed guy and super organized, and and our practices follow suit because of that. Uh, but one thing that he's always taught me – he's taught me that I've really absorbed is, you know, he believes – we've always believed in, like, short practices. Um, yeah. You know, I remember as a player those five, six-hour practices that you kind of go, man, I don't – do I want to go to practice today? I'm going to spend three hours standing around and, and, you know, maybe an hour of hitting. And, and you know, you just – you get bogged down. So our, ours are short. Uh, our segments are short. Um, And we say, hey, look, one, we want them to show up every day. We want them to to come to the field every day. Two, they know what they're coming to. And so, hey, we want you just to be be really engaged and high energy and open to coaching. So a typical practice for us would be we show up, we do some sort of base running fundamental. um, And it could be anything from – you know, hard nineties to turns to stealing bases to going first to third to going second to home. Um, you know, one of the things that we've talked a lot about. I had the fort the fortune of coaching with Terry Collins in the Northwoods League, mm-hmm. and and one of the things that I'll never forget. We talked probably for an hour one day during a game about you know second base and. You know when to tag and when not to tag, and you know I'll just never forget him saying, "Hey man, with one out, if for any reason the ball hits the ground, you better stand, you better score standing up." You know, and so so we try to teach our players those things, and so that's the first you know ten to ten to twelve minutes of our practice. Um, We'll typically go into uh, to an individual defense fundamental. Uh, You know, I'm the outfield coach, so I'll take the outfielders. And, and we try to be super detailed in, into what we're teaching and, and try to be really good about covering everything that they're going to see potentially in a game. Um, you know, like I said, yesterday was, was knowing when to throw behind a runner. Hmm. Um, from there, we'll go into some sort of a team segment for 10 to 12 minutes. It might be bunt defense. It might be first and third defense. It might be tandem relays. It might be relays. Whatever it is, we'll do that for 10 to 12 minutes. Um, we'll go in and from that, we'll go into our, to our hitting segment and, uh, you know, our, our hitting segment, everything scored, everything is, you know, we want it to be as live as possible. Um, and, and our guys are going to get as many live looks off the bat as they possibly can. Um, we have an awesome hitting game that we play quite a bit that we learned. I learned it from coach Bach, Mm -hmm. um, you know. Maybe the best high school coach in the country, in my opinion, out of Arkansas. That's really, that's really good. But we try to make it super competitive. We try to get them in, get them, get them out fairly quick, um, and we want them to come to the park every day. So, um, and and like I said, we just want to make sure that we we turn every stone so that nothing comes up in a in in the season, and we go, man, we haven't we haven't practiced that. Um, I'll never forget. It was probably five or six years ago we were playing our, our rival, uh, in-state rival Utah, and they ran a play where where the guy fell down, like at second base, like fell down and kind of deked us, and they, they ended up scoring a run on it. And so now we practice that. I mean, we, it's like, hey, we, we didn't practice that. We hadn't seen that. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that we've we've incorporated in our practice. So we want to practice everything – that we're possibly going to see in a live game situation.
0: Well, is that what's changed the most since you were playing or coaching at the, you know, early on when it comes to practice? Uh, you know, what things have changed since, since you started?
1: You know, the game, uh, everywhere I've been, we've done the same variation of, of different things. I think um, one thing that we do really well that – you know, I, I don't, I shouldn't say we didn't do as well, but I don't know. is the shortness of it. You know, we don't mm-hmm. get bogged down into a drill
0: yeah.
1: and we try not to, we try not to ever have our guys standing still for a whole lot of time. We want them moving. We want them, we want them to be engaged. And, and so I think that's probably the best thing for us. Um, and uh, like I said, that's probably the one thing that I've really taken from coach. You, you know, a lot of things I've in 14 years I've taken from coach. and But he's he's really, really good at that.
0: What's it look like when there's a bunt coverage or maybe a game situation in practice and it's not done well? What's that situation look like? How do you well, correct it's,
1: it? <clears throat> it's coaching, you know. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, sometimes you get after guys and sometimes you can, you can love them into it, but. You know, that's where we coach, and uh, that's where, that's why we get paid to be here and to do what we're doing. You know, I mean, I think the, the amount of coaching that happens in practice is, is far more important than the amount of coaching that comes in a game. I mean, I remember talking – another thing I talked to Terry Collins about is like, man, I, in a major league game, he said, man, I, I make maybe one or two decisions or three decisions in a game that has any impact – you know, whereas in practice, almost on every rep, we can coach something, whether it's positive reinforcement, whether it's, Hey, this needs to get better. Um, you need to do this. You know, I talk a lot, you know, talk about to my outfielders all the time about when you get the ball, get it to your throwing side shoulder, you know? And, and so, um, just little things you're you're trying to teach little things all the time. And, uh, and so, you know, you can't, you can't, get so caught up in, in teaching that you don't give the positive reinforcement because I think that's the thing that I've noticed in, in my 20 years of coaching is that you need more of those positive kudos and pats on the bats, backs and butts um, now more than maybe we did as players because, uh, because it's a different generation of kid and they're, they're dealing with different things than we dealt with. And so, so it's important for us to give that, that too. The, the
0: yeah, yeah, and it's interesting talking to coaches. You know, they say, you know, sometimes I'll ask you know, have players changed and say, no, you know, society's changed, but players have changed because we do have to, um, you know, pat them on the back a little bit more. I know our days, you know, I didn't get that as much. You know, sometimes it's try going to Japan and getting a pat in the back. Um, you know, <laughs> you yeah. you you know, the, you do this and you get it done, otherwise you ain't playing. I, I understand that's a different society. You know, you know the other part of all this. Um, is, you know, when you're talking, I'm glad you brought it up, the practice part, because here you are at the highest college level and you guys emphasize practicing a lot. Um, And yet we need to also, because I think it's a great message for our younger players and coaches that are working with young kids, because we are seeing kids playing playing a lot of games and I get it. We need game experience. You know, I'm in Illinois, Chicago, it's cold. Um, you know, Midwest, we want to play more games, but sometimes we forget how important practices before I want, before we get into, um, the America Samoa program, I wanted to address this, talk about, you know, why it's so important for practice, not just for the game skills, but there's gotta be other reasons, um, for, you know, making sure that you practice more than you play, especially at the young levels.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just like literally in my mind trying to do the math um, as we talk. You know, we're going to play 56 games. You know, I hope we play closer to 70 <laughs> games this year. But we're going to play 56 games, typically in the regular season. Um, we're going to practice well over 100 days this year. Wow. And, um, and And honestly, you know, even – when we go on the road, we'll go, you know, we play, we play a little different cause we don't play on Sunday. Uh, we're the only university in, in the, that doesn't division one university. that doesn't play on Sunday. So sure. uh, we're going to fly out on Wednesday and, and we get there Wednesday and we're going to go practice Wednesday night, almost a hundred percent of the time. So we're going to practice far more days than we play. Um, and, and I heard somebody say it at the convention. Um, you know, hey, practice is for the coaches, the games are for the players. And I, and I totally agree with that. Like, hey, on game day, not that you're not going to coach on game day, not that you're not going to teach on game day, but man, we want to create an environment where those guys can go out and just play and apply the things that they've learned in practice. So, and, and I Absolutely. wanted to, to add something on, the, on today's player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can you imagine, Peter, when you were a player? and a coach told you to do something, asking them why? Right. I mean, I would have never, never. never dared to ever say why. I mean, hey, I want Good you to point. stand on your head and catch this ground ball. Yes, sir. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Yep. And this generation of kids, they want to know why. And you know what? I wish now, looking back, that I could have known the why on some things, and I probably could have bought into some mm-hmm. things better, and it would have made me a better player. And, yep. uh, and so, you know, it is, it's a din- different generation of player. It's a different generation of kid, um, and, and it's a different generation of player. So I, I think that's awesome. I love that. They want to know why I love that. They're, they're confident in, in themselves enough to say, coach, why, why are we doing it that way?
0: So Yeah, you know, I know. I agree. Boy, I'm glad you brought that point up because I agree with you hundred percent. And the other, the other part of that is it's interesting because you know, I've traveled the world and, you know, I tell guys, you know, ask anytime we, you know, say something, ask, you know, why, why are we doing this? Or, and it's interesting because not only, you know, from anybody, sometimes I've gotten responses on, well, why aren't we doing it this way? And then I, I'm thinking, wait a second, that's not a bad idea. You know, and yeah. I think our ego gets in the way sometimes, right? Because we hear a better idea and it might come from a player, it might come from a coach from another country, or, an, or it might even come from a coach that's only coached five years, doesn't matter. Um, but man, all of a sudden you, you're thinking to yourself, that's a good point. Maybe I need to change my philosophy and what I'm doing in that particular area.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And, uh, and I think it's good to have those conversations, you know, um, you probably know Ray Brown, uh, you know, I, I had a long conversation one time with Ray Brown about tandem relays and double cuts and, and, uh you know, we, we, we went around and we chased each other's tail for a long time. And, and ultimately, you know, I'm going to do it the way that I believe it should be done. He's going to do it the way he believes it should be done. Um, we're probably both right. And we're probably both wrong. So, um, you know, I think it's healthy to have those conversations and, and to be okay with, uh, not always agreeing or seeing eye to eye on something. I love Ray and, and, uh, Man, I've learned so much about baseball from him, and and hopefully him from him him from me. But it's okay, you know. But but we'd have never even had that conversation if we weren't weren't willing to say why, why not, why or why not, you know. And uh, so so yeah, I think that's that's great
0: we got a lot of players around the world always asking, how do I get to play college baseball in the States? It's so competitive, so much going, you know, so many players playing it. Um, You know, I think most of us understand, of course, if you know someone like a coach in another country, you know, a coach, you know, it it helps when that coach recommends a player because you know the coach, you know, they know what you're looking for and all that. But you know, there's not a lot of guys like that. I mean, you don't always know everybody around the world. What's a young person or a coach from another country? How do they reach out to somebody at a division one program, not just division one, but all programs to get looked at, you know, maybe get an opportunity, you know, maybe some tips in that area, because I even myself, I try to help some players internationally when I can. Yeah,
1: I think that's a great question. So I spend, I spend a week every summer in the Dominican Republic, um, you know, doing camps and, and playing games. And I take a, I, take a group of high school kids from the U S and we go down and we play games against, uh, Dominican teams. Um, you you see those kids down there and and man, I've had some kids down there that like this kid looks like Albert Pujols and plays like Albert Pujols and and he would do anything. He'd chop off toes to go be a, a college baseball player. And, Mm -hmm. um, but this this past summer was was interesting. There was a kid that was down there uh, from Israel, and man, he was a really interesting player. I mean, good player. He actually ended up playing with us. Um, you know, we we adopted him in and let him play with our team, and and uh, you know, so I, I kind of have been mentoring him and helping him with that process. You know, I think the the beauty of it is is with podcasts like this and with, with video, man, you can, you can take video in uh, whatever country you're in and, and with the click of a button, it can be in my, my email uh, in seconds. And so we can evaluate you that way. Um, I think the, the one thing that I would tell um, all the international players that are, that are looking for that opportunity is, is have an open mind and be willing to, to go wherever, you know, you need to go to play. And um, – and, but you are starting to see a lot more player – a lot more players from, from all over the world infiltrate into um, to baseball, junior college baseball on up to Division I baseball. Um, and uh, it's awesome for, for our game, and it's awesome for the international game for those kids.
0: Yeah, great point. I mean, they got to understand Division one's is a pretty high level, and there's high levels at every division. Um, really understanding their ability, right, and where it fits in somewhere in the U.S. That may be one of the hardest things because they have to determine can I play there, um, and 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 really understand can I play there? Can I go to school there? You know, am I my education good enough? Um, and that's not easy to figure out. Yeah. I mean, you're dealing with, with
1: international kids and, you know, we deal with this with the Dominican a lot. It's, you know, a kid has to pass the TOEFL test and mm-hmm. uh, there, there's a lot of requirements that they have to, to do. Uh, they have to be very driven. You know, I know at least in the Dominican and some of the other places I've been, um, you know, the, some of the challenges are them getting student visas and, and different things like that. So, you know, all those things are, are important. That you have to be able to, you have to be able to figure those things out to, to make it happen. You know, for me to get a kid in from the Dominican Republic, you know, he has to have a specific TOEFL score, and if he doesn't have that, then then he's just not going to get into school. Whereas, you know, there's some junior colleges out there that, man, you don't know, even have to speak a word of English, and they'll bring you in, and they'll teach you English, and they'll let you play, and and you can go there and and have a great experience, and then transfer to to a a division one school. It's funny. I I think it's the same here in the U S as it is worldwide. I mean, if I had a a dollar for every time I talk to a kid, Hey, I really want to go to Vanderbilt, you know, and I'll sit there and I'll look at him and smile, but you know what? I want to go to Vanderbilt too. I would love to play at Vanderbilt. I'm 45 years old, still would love to play at Vanderbilt. I, I was not good enough to play at Vanderbilt, you know? And so, you know, just like, be able to assess yourself, and if you can't assess yourself of where you fit in the spectrum, then trust people that can assess you. And, and, uh, and then wherever you go, just make it – you know, I, I tell our kids all the time, man, the big leagues is where you're at. So um, whether you're at BYU or whether you're at uh, Southern Virginia University, that's the big leagues for you right now.
0: You know, it's great that, uh, you know, now Major League Baseball International, you know, they do a lot of camps all around the world. And um, one of the things they started to realize was that for a lot of these young players that they want to sign, the best thing is to get them in the college first. Because a lot of times they sign them, they go, you know, minor league ball, and they just can't handle it. They're just too young, you know, and, you know, mentally – Sometimes physically, they're just not ready for it. But if you put in a college program, whether it be JUCO or anywhere else, yeah, you're you're gonna. That's a place where you're gonna get developed mentally, physically, so you can prepare yourself for college baseball. Um, hey, listen, Dominican Republic. Okay, now all of a sudden, Brett Herring. You know, it, it's not tough enough to be BYU. You know, uh, not only coach, but also recruiting coordinator. Now you're gonna be. Now you're also. The, you've been the head coach of the. America Samoa National Program. I mean, anything else you want to do? <laughs> I, I love baseball, Peter. You uh, do. I mean, if you called me and said,
1: hey, we're going to Yugoslavia, I'd say I've never <laughs> you know I can't find that on a map, but you know let's <laughs> go yo, I'm there. in you know How did that uh, all start? so so my wife is is Samoan, and ah. uh, her dad grew up on on the island, you know the uh, it's a small island of about sixty thousand people. Um, he grew up there and, uh, you know, when he, he came to the U S and joined the military and, you know, he had no exposure to the game of baseball until he got to the U S and, uh, he, he ended up settling in in Long Beach, California and became a a Dodgers fan. He was a left-handed, he played a lot of cricket and, uh, he was a left-handed, uh, I guess it's called a bowler in cricket, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but when, when he was kind of settling in in Long Beach, they had a guy playing for the Dodgers named Fernando Valenzuela, and, and, and he always said, man, if, if I'd have grown up in the U.S., I would have played for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. Um, and so he never had that opportunity. And so, um, like, that to me was like, hey, what can I give back to the game? I can go over there, and I can help uh, develop the game of baseball on the island of American Samoa there's been great people before me and, uh, there's great people there that are trying to grow it. And, uh, and so when the opportunity presented itself, I want to say in like 2010, um, Murphy Sue, uh, who is a dear friend of mine, uh, asked me if I wanted to go over and, and, and uh, and run some camps. And, and we took a team from the U S and we played in the, and, and played some games over there. And, uh, you know, obviously, you know, with my family connection with my wife, and uh, you know, that was that was a tremendous thing. The president of the, of the American Samoa Baseball Association uh, at that time was a guy named Victor Land Kildy, who's who's become you know like a blo- like a brother to me. I mean, he's he's literally I, I consider him my brother. Uh, he was the president of the association, and uh, shortly after I returned. I was coaching at Dixie College back then, or Dixie State University back then. He called and, and said, "Hey, we would like for you to come and 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 uh, lead our program." And I told him I would be honored. Uh, and 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 really, it was an opportunity for me to give back to to my father-in-law, and uh, and to to the Samoan kids. You know, we're fortunate uh, you know, I, i to speak Samoan. I, I've kind of taught myself how to speak. And so, uh-huh. you know, it's an opportunity for me to go and, and to, to learn the culture and the language more so than I even do, um, here in my home, but we, we go to a, we go to a Samoan church. And so, you know, a good percentage of the people that I associate with are, are Samoan or Pacific Islander. And, uh, and I absolutely love the culture and the people and, uh, you know, really the only thing I have that I can give them is baseball. Cause I'm, I'm not smart enough to give them anything else and I don't have enough money to give them any of that. So, so I give them what I have and that's baseball.
0: Excellent. You know, and it's interesting, um, you know, I, I can imagine a lot of coaches listening or people listening to the podcast or watching, you know, thinking America, Samoa, baseball, you know, I thought maybe it would be, you know, rugby cricket, you know, uh, but Sounds like pretty good athletes there. Big kids, strong, athletic. What you know? What what sports they played? Does that help? Yeah. So
1: you know, uh, they've done they've done some things on ESPN and, and whatnot about uh, football in American Samoa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said, sixty thousand people. Um, man, I, I don't know the the new number, but it used to be they had sixty kids in the NFL.
0: Mm.
1: Um, you know, so. I remember uh, ESPN or something did a 60 minutes did a uh, a thing on it and they were like 100 times more likely to make it to the NFL if you grew up in American Samoa or if you're of Samoan descent than wow. than everybody else. So so yeah, they're big, strong. Um, you know, it's funny because they are they're, they're they're big, strong people, but the thing about them that I I've, I've always said is is their quick twitch, which which mm. you and I know is is totally key in baseball. And, um, you know, there's some, there's a couple guys out there, you know, my very first trip to, uh, to Samoa, we had a kid on our team named, uh, Isaiah Kiner Folly Uh, and, uh, like he was, I want to say he was a sophomore in high school and I fell in love with him and we offered him a scholarship at Dixie and he actually committed to us at Dixie, um. And, and he just won a Gold Glove two years ago with the Texas Rangers. He played shortstop for the Rangers. You have Sean Mania, who uh, they they call him the Samoan, and Randy Johnson, who's, mm-hmm. who's uh-huh. in the big leagues with the A's, and and so they're they're starting to get more of those guys. Nick Taniello, who's who's right there with the Astros on the cusp of making a big league team, and and uh, those are those guys are the trailblazers. You know, the to my knowledge, before that, the only guy you know Mike. Mike Fetters pitched in the big leagues for a long time, and he saw one. And um, but the first guy was a guy named Tony Solita, and, and uh, that was back in the the late '70s, early '80s. And uh, uh, those are the trailblazers. But but man, is there I, I totally believe there's a there's a ton of Samoan kids both in American Samoa and here in the U.S. Um, that that could be. The next wave of uh big league all-stars.
0: Yeah, and that's why I love doing the podcast, uh, especially when there's international connections because we're learning we learn about a new country with baseball. But a lot of people may not have known that there's baseball there. You know, I was gonna ask you what how do you attract these young kids? And I'm looking at my time, folks, just because I know Brent's um very busy. I wanna make sure we respect his time here, but you know, I was thinking. To attract kids now, obviously, all these guys that have made it to the big leagues, that's attractable. That's a path. You know, the college baseball is a path, but you still got to give them the player. There are things that they do there to kind of get kids to play the game. We're talking about folks, 60,000 people in the country. And in a minute, we're going to talk about them competing in Oceania competing in the world championships also and beating um, in 2019, defeating Australia, second rank in the country, one of the best baseball countries in the world. Um, so how do, you, how do you get these young kids to play the game?
1: Yeah, so, you know, they, um, the president over there is, is Marcus Landkilde, and he's done a great job of, uh, of getting it going. They have a, they have a him and, and uh, Victor have put together a great little league program over there. And, and high school, you know, it's funny. They play, I think, a game, a season of like 10 games in high school over there. Wow. Um, there's, eight, there's eight schools, and, and I think – I don't even think all eight of them have. I think maybe six of them have teams. So, um, you know, that's they, – they've been really good about getting those kids out, getting them to play Little League and T-ball and, and starting them at, the, at that age. Um, you know, but pre-COVID, I would try to go out once a year and do, um, you know, a week long of cl- clinics. And, um, you know, one thing that's really grown over there is softball um, mm. with the Ricketts sisters, you know, them, them being time one In fact, we were together on that very first trip. Um, to Ricketts? Yeah, kaylani Ricketts and Samantha. Samantha's the head coach, uh, I believe, at uh, Mississippi State. Ah. And uh, Kaylani's maybe the best player in the world. Uh, no no ties to the cubs owner no i don't think so that's a good question well some financial help
0: here right that could that that could help yeah
1: yeah. but uh you know jocelyn alo from hawaii Mm -hmm. you know she's maybe the best player in in college baseball right now um so softball's really blowing up with them and, and baseball as well but um yeah, so we just try to get them to play as much as we can. I tell people all the time, it's still grassroots level over there. Um, you know, we're still we're still trying to get as many kids out as we possibly can, and we hope if we can get three or 400 kids out at the entry level um, that we'll have, you know, 10 to 12 kids at some point that are ready to go play college baseball at some point.
0: Yeah, and uh, one advantage um, that they have is – it sounds like they're athletic. Um, yeah. You know, like what, you're getting them at a young age, but it looks like, they, I mean, they play other sports and they're athletic. And like you said, they're strong in some ways. Um, you know, that, that could be something good for the future.
1: No doubt. Yeah. And they, it's, it's amazing. You go over there and you work with these young kids and, and how quickly they can grasp the concepts of are teaching and they are, they're super athletic. So So they're able to to pick up things really quick. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, you know, and then as far as the roster, we try to find, uh, you know, kids, you know, we, we, uh, use the state of Hawaii. There's a ton of Polynesian kids in, in the state of Hawaii that, that we're able to get to play on our team. And, um, you know, they, they love represent Polynesia. And, uh, and so, we're able to use that and we try to track as many kids as we can in the U.S. Um, to play for us on that national team that are, that, you know, they have the same opportunities that all these other high school kids have here in the U.S.
0: You know, in, uh, on the show, we talk a lot about coaching. You know, development of coaching is the foundation of the sport at any in any country, anywhere in the world. If you don't have a good coach at the real young levels, sayonara to the game because – Sooner or later, kids are gonna find something else to do if we don't have good coaching. There's not good development, especially long term. Um, and man, I think I beat that to, you know dead horse talking about that. How important that is. Now, you going there? Obviously, that you know, and it's a small country, not many coaches because there's not many players yet. Easy to kind of um, help mold some of those coaches. You learn from them; they learn from you. Talk a little bit about that process. How important that is if you're gonna develop the game.
1: Well, yeah, I mean you gotta have. Um, yeah, you, you gotta have people that can pass knowledge on to the kids, and you want them passing the right knowledge on. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah, when we go over there, um, you know, it's it's fun to see those coaches. Uh, you know, they'll be just as attentive to what we're doing as as uh, and the parents as as the kids are, because they want to learn and they're hungry to learn too. And and a lot of them played when they were young, and and so. Um, so yeah, so that's a, it's a great thing, and uh, man, what a what an awesome place! I mean, uh, you know, there's a big big piece of my heart that is uh, that is attached to that that little small small island.
0: Brent, same issues uh, we have in the U.S. I mean, obviously we have a lot of players here, but same issues when it comes to maybe uh, parents uh, and uh, maybe coaches sometimes can be too competitive, or it is it a little different there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's the same everywhere. You know, yeah. I mean, um, people are competitive. People don't like to lose. Uh, my wife yeah. gives me a hard time all the time. She says she doesn't want to play any board games or card games with me because I'm a poor loser. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's, uh, I think that's the case anywhere you go. And sure. uh, you know, I think one of the things uh, that inhibits kids uh here and everywhere worldwide is is they're so focused on what they want they want to they want to get a college scholarship they want to you know that they they lose track of what they have to do today to do that and um and so that's the thing that i i think for for me it's like uh, especially over there in, in in samoa like hey let's let's not worry so much about wins and losses and and uh and those things, but let's focus on, uh, let's focus on on learning the game and learning the skills and learning the fundamentals. And as you do that, and as you become better at those and more proficient at those, obviously it's going to lead to more wins, and, and it's going to lead to the other things. But but if you overlook that uh, because you just want to win at all costs and you want to get that scholarship, and it's like don't lose sight of what's going to actually help you accomplish that
0: folks we're talking to brett herring he is the head coach of the samoa america samoa national team um 18u and also the uh, coach at brigham young university and top recruiting coordinator for the university um you know uh i was looking at this and i'm thinking uh Okay, you're playing in Oceania. You got you got Australia. You got New Zealand. You got a lot of other countries. They're pretty competitive. Now you're heading to the 18 year World Championship. So you talk about competition. Holy Moses! You're going up against the best in the world. How the uh, America Samoa? How are you putting your team together? Where are these players coming from? Just from the country, or you know, from other other areas because they got family there? How does that? How does this all work?
1: Yeah. So um, you know. The the beauty is 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 to, to be eligible to play for American Samoa, uh, to play for any country you have to have a passport of the country that that uh, that you represent because American Samoa is a U.S. Uh, territory. Mm-hmm. The passport's a U.S. passport. So um, so we we've been fortunate when we went to Guam. Uh, I think we had eleven kids actually from American Samoa on that team that that, that came from American Samoa and then and the other uh, might've been 10 and 10, but um, you know, we were able to go out and find some Samoa kids that that played here locally in the U S um, and uh, you know, some, some kids with Polynesian ties in the state of Hawaii um, that that want to represent Polynesia. And so we put that team together and, and we're in the process right now of putting together um, our team for, for the, for the world cup. Um, and you know, we we've got kids from Georgia and, and, uh, and Virginia and, you know, all over that have Samoan ties, um, that, that are, that are really anxious to play that are good players. Obviously the state of Hawaii has been really good to us. Uh, the state of California, there's, you know, I tell people all the time, there's probably more Samoans in, uh, in, Long Beach, Carson, than there are in Samoa. So, so we <laughs> we try to hit those communities and we try to find those players, and then we try to uh, to use those guys to help build the the, the guys from from the island. Um, and and it gives those guys from the island a chance to see uh, what baseball looks like at a little faster level and a little little higher, um, but just have played a lot more.
0: Right. We are coming close to the end. And it, trust me, I, I could talk for three hours with you about baseball in general, but also American Samoan baseball. You know, we're talking about, um, you know, now you've got to put these guys together. You know, you got to get your national team together and you got to prepare them. Um, is that done? That's going to be done in American Samoa. Um, how long is it going to take you? You know, what's your focus there? Yeah, we're, we're we're in the process
1: right now of of uh, identifying players and reaching out to players and uh, and getting that roster set. You know, it's funny when we went to Guam uh, for the Oceania Oceania game. The first day that we practiced as a group, as a team, our whole team together was the day before our first game, and uh, <laughs> you know that's just just a reality. Now I, yes. I know with uh, with this thing and and. Uh, you know, playing on this stage, man, we're so grateful for the opportunity to play on this stage and to, to put America, Samoa on, on this map and, and this stage with, with the amazing teams that, that we're going to get to play against. You know, I think we're going to try to uh, get them together a little earlier, uh, maybe a week or two in advance and uh, hopefully play some friendly games and, and uh, so they can get to know each other. But, the, the, the beauty of, of this is, Peter, I don't know how well or if you know many Polynesian people, but they're the most loving, kind-hearted people in the world. And uh, it's funny, uh, the word culture comes around all the time in sports and baseball, especially. I've never seen a group of kids like come together in jail and learn to love each other as fast as I did that team in, in wow. America's, you know, that, that was unbelievable. And, and, uh, honestly, probably the highlight of my whole coaching career was watching those guys within 48 hours, um, like learn to love each other that fast. And, and, uh, you know, when we left, when we left Guam, um, you know, we had guys going back to Samoa, we had guys going to Hawaii, and guys coming to the mainland, and guys, you know, all over. Uh, watching those kids absolutely cry their eyes out because they knew that they weren't going to see each other for a while. Wow! And uh, and so, you know, I attribute that to the to their culture and to the people they are. I mean, they they know how to love one another, and and they they're truly, um, uh, you know the friendly people is what they call themselves. And and it's a hundred percent they, they know how to, to, to bring
0: people in. Well, you know, that explains it. I mean, we talk about culture all the time. You hear coaches talking about culture, you know, it's not easy to put together, you know, a lot of it's character, quality people. I talk about the Japanese a lot. I know there's culture all over good culture all around the world but the Japanese are really good at it. They know they've they're grown up since they're young. They're good people also. And um, you know, it explains a small country, not many players, you know, you got to come together. I was just in Tenerife, Spain. A lot of eight it was an 18 U um, event tournament training program for some of the best 18 U in Europe. Um, and I had players from Spain and, in the Czech Republic and other countries in Europe. And it's amazing how some of them came together. We didn't have much time to, either, right, to practice. We yeah. had three practices and played a tournament, and they came together. And the team that came together, Brent, was the team that won. It was amazing to see that. So I could certainly understand that. And I commend you a lot for, uh, you know, doing what you do with baseball in America Samoa. Um, anything else about America Samoa before we uh, – close off that you'd like to say you know anything about the uh, you know why they're be, being you know so successful and why they're getting better and by the way I forgot shout out the ESPN Honolulu what a great tie in ESPN Honolulu talking baseball with American Samoa um, anything else about American Samoa you want to mention man like i said I, i'm i'm just grateful i'm grateful to Victor
1: Landkilde and to Marcus Landkilde our president and and the governor and, and the Island, you know, it was so awesome to see when, when we made that run in Oceania and, uh, and beat Australia, you know, that, that little country was just, they, they were so excited. And, uh, and I hope we can put a product on the field. that will make them really proud. And, uh, I'm so grateful to those guys and the governor and, and all those people that are so supportive of us and, uh, you know that i think that's the thing i would say is i'm just super humbled for the opportunity to, to be the head coach there i'm super humbled that they trust us and uh and so you know yeah i I'm, I'm really grateful for that and uh and so um yeah that i think that's hey. where i would leave that
0: yeah and i'll add to that i read the article on where the government did help with some funding which is kind of neat because you don't you know in the u.s we don't have government funding in sports In other countries you do especially if you do really well i want to wish you and the uh, every, all the folks in american samoa best of luck in the you you know 18 U world championships that's the wbsc world championships lastly i'm going to save you brent um we all, you know, be, with everything we get to do, and especially you, America Samoa, college recruiting, you know, you're never around. It's got to be tough because you got to recruit for America Samoa also. we got great wives. Um, you know, if you didn't have a great wife, you wouldn't be able to be doing what you're doing, right? And i got the best one. Uh, my wife is, um, she's the
1: most supportive. Uh, she's the most supportive person I know. And, uh, you know, it's funny uh you know you go through a career and you have highs and lows and you know you have those those moments where it's like man I'm just gonna quit you know I'm ready to be done and and you know my wife literally won't let me so um I'm so grateful to her and and for her love and support um she's she's the absolute best and um and so I, I just hope that that you know, when I go out and I, I do these things that I represent her and our family. Well, we got two little boys that, you know, that do, um, sacrifice time with me for, for what I love. And, and so, um, you know, I, I'm grateful. I got, a I got a beautiful family and, and uh, I appreciate you bringing that up because you're a hundred percent right. Um, you know, I couldn't do any of what I do without, without, the support of my, my family
0: behind me. Yeah. Likewise. I agree hundred percent, man. Thank you to all the wives and even girlfriends that are out there because you got to be supportive of each other to get things done in life. All right, man, listen, I know you got a lot going on. You got, you're busy. I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, and we'll put all the show notes together where people can get a hold of you, whether it be for American Samoa or whether it be for BYU, maybe you got some questions on recruiting. Um, uh, if it's okay, I'll put your email there or later you can give me the information that you want up and then we'll, uh, that way people can reach you man. I appreciate yeah. this.
1: Please do, man. I, Peter, I can't thank you enough for having me. Um, you know, I've admired you for a long time and, and what you do for the game of baseball, uh, internationally and, uh. And so to be here and to be with you has been an absolute thrill for me. So thank you very much. And, uh, for all you baseball fans, uh, if you don't have a dog in the fight, uh, in, in uh, September for the world baseball classic, you can jump on with America, Samoa, and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take into our family. You can come support us and cheer for us. And, uh, and we'll love you for it. So
0: there you uh, go. And I know, so I'm much, gonna, and I thank you, Brian. I know I'm going to make time, hopefully to come the see the island and then see some of the baseball there and thank you for reaching out at the abca because you're the one that saw me and came up to me um and i really appreciate that because it made that connection again um folks special thank you to brent harry and again with byu american samoa special thank you to everybody in the us and around the world don't forget our producer brian crack with the lineup media group they do a great job of putting a show together and special thank you to everybody in the U.S. and around the world. Without you, the show doesn't go. So please keep sharing the show. It really helps us out. We're just trying to get it out as much as possible. Educate everybody in the game of baseball and all facets of the game. We can talk baseball development. We can talk Major League Baseball. Anything you like. We love doing what we do. And remember, stay safe, stay healthy. God bless you. And we will see you all on the next show.
1: Thanks, Peter. Go Cougs.
0: This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our
1: podcasts now at LineUpMedia.fm.